Turning life upside down is good when one side is done. Leaning toward wisdom, the podcast. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com, just as you would expect. My name is Randy Cantrell. I'm your host here. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio, where summer has, I don't know, we, we say it every year here in North Central Texas. It just, it just comes in with a vengeance and it just, it loiters, lingers, the high cap. We get used to hearing meteorologists talking about, yeah, there's a high cap. There's a, there's a high pressure cap over Texas. And it, it just likes to come and camp out for months at a time. But goes with the flow here. You know, we've got really mild winters, mostly. So there's that. I hope it's great and wonderful wherever you are. It's pretty great and wonderful here. Turning life upside down. I made a comment to somebody not long ago that I was planning to turn life upside down. And they kind of cocked their head at me like, I'm sorry, what? And I said, well, you know, you, you, you have to do that when one side's done. And it kind of made sense, I think. It makes complete sense to me. Uh, we've made no secret. I've made no secret here uh, to those of you that join us here inside the Ellis studio that there are changes afoot. What are those changes? Don't know. Don't know. We just, we just know the next step. We kind of know what the next couple of steps, uh, what we would like them to be. But uh, yeah, it's going to involve purging. That much is for sure. We've been purging, been going through stuff. Came came across some stuff the other day. I'll I'll post pictures of this. I shared this on social media when we found it. Uh, found books that the kids did when they were in elementary school, and got the one of that my son did. He the cover of the book has someday, so that's presumably the title and the theme of the book someday and on the cover is a baseball and a bat i'm not sure what this other thing is it it i want to say it's a kite but i'm not real sure anyway someday and the o in someday he has drawn laces on it like a baseball the dedication this book is dedicated to my mom and dad So that was nice. On the very first page, someday I want to be six foot four so I can reach high things. And then he's got a picture of, uh, of himself really tall, got green patches on his knees. That's kind of interesting. The next page someday I want to own my own Porsche. No, he has not yet owned a Porsche. Something tells me he's not going to own a Porsche because I can tell you right now, it, it, it probably, it, it has less to do with money 
Well, let me back up. It has less to do with probably could you stretch, could you afford a Porsche as there's no way the kid that wrote this, who's now approaching 42, there's there's no way he would buy a Porsche. Someday I want to meet Joe Montana. That's on page three. Someday I want to have a black stallion. Okay, well, he so far he's he's not six foot four. He said someday I want to be six foot four so I can reach high things. He's not six foot four, so I mean he's not that. He's six one. Doesn't have a Porsche. Don't think he's met Joe Montana. I can promise you he's not. Ha- he does not have a black stallion, and I can also promise you he no longer wants a black stallion. <laughs> someday I want to have a wife. And one boy and one girl. Well, he's got the wife and he's got two boys and one girl. So there's a case where he got, he got more than he wanted. Someday I want to own a baseball shop. He probably meant a baseball card shop, but I don't know. And then he drew the picture of a, of a gas station, a cleaners and, um, In some other building. It's got a yes, we're open sign in the window. Someday I want to have a yard of palm trees, P-O-M, with coconut. If he remains here in Texas, that's not going to happen. He does have a yard with trees. Someday I want to have a guitar, G-I-U. And it looks like T-A-N. But he means guitar because that's what he drew. He doesn't have a guitar, but I've got one. He's welcome to it anytime. Someday I want to live in a mansion. M A N T I O N. <laughs> he lives in a perfectly nice house. It's as nice as any house you could hope to have. Is it a mansion? Well, I don't. By many people's standards, yes, it is. Someday I want to own a hoverboard. Well, his kids have hoverboards. I've seen them. Now, no, they, you know, they've got wheels, obviously, but you know, those kind that you stand on and balance the kind that would kill somebody like me. Someday I want to own a jet. Yeah, well, forget that Porsche. So far, what we have is we have a grade schooler who is incredibly materialistic minded (laughs) as all grade schoolers are. Someday I want to have a bike and skateboard ramp. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure he does. Someday I wish there were no drugs. And then he's got pictures of cigarettes and bags of pills and bottles of alcohol. The interesting thing is one of the bottles, it looks to me... It looks to me like he has labeled it milk. (laughs) I'm sure that's wrong. And if it's not wrong, then I'm sure he equates milk with drugs. Probably hates milk. About the author, the author was born in 1980. Gives his name. Tells where he lived. We were living in Oklahoma at the time. Has a mom and a dad and a dog called Skunky Barney. <laughs> he names the elementary school that he went to, and then he named the two teachers 
that he had. And then on the very back page, he, he writes, he likes to play baseball and football football's two words. It's cute. It's a hardback hardcover, little hardback book, you know, the kind of cover that they had on those, those, all the little kind of preschool or first, second grader kind of books, that kind of thickness and that kind of binding anyway, super cute. You find these things when you're turning your life upside down, quite literally and figuratively, when you're purging things that you own and you're going through things and you discover priceless gems like that, you know, the good thing about this whole minimalist kind of yearning that I've got is we're, we're talking, this is such a small footprint kind of a thing. It takes virtually no space. So you're not talking about anything massive. Uh, I've talked about the CD collection. I've been going through and pitching all of the jewel cases, those hard plastic cases that CDs used to come in. I'm, I've been pitching all those. I have thrown away at least a dozen kind of kitchen sized trash bags of, of these things. Trash came yesterday. And so I was able to get rid of about eight of these and I've got four or five more ready to be put out to the street. The next time the trash comes and I'm not done yet. I've got probably, I'm probably going to get three more trash bags of those. So you're talking about something that takes up a lot of space and I haven't even really got to the books yet. So we've got that going on. Turning life upside down is good when one side is done. Now it, there are all kinds of questions and all kinds of, all kinds of conversation that I suppose could be had about this and, and thoughts that we could entertain. None of the least of which is how do you know when one side is done? I don't know that there's anything special about that other than you just know. And maybe, maybe when I say that, you know, maybe knowing is, is too firm of a word. Uh, you think you feel one of the major radio stations here, one of the popular ones. In fact, it could be argued one of the most popular ones, if not the most popular one had a number of changes in personnel. There were two individuals, one who was a host uh, during an early, well, a mid-morning show. And one, he was on air, but he was really technically the producer of an afternoon drive time show. And the producer of the afternoon drive time show had been, he'd been on the station. He'd been at the station for 20 plus years. And you could just tell when news broke that he had turned in his resignation and that uh, a day from now, two days from now, it was going to be his last day. You could just tell it just, he was done. He was done. It was not going the way that he had most hoped it would go. Uh, my impression was he felt like, and frankly, as a listener, I felt like he deserved to be on air talent, but he wasn't, he was very gracious about it. And he admitted that the station was ripe with talent 
and nobody was retiring anytime soon and the opportunities just weren't there and he felt like he had it had kind of run its course and it, it just reeked of not feeling appreciated and we can all relate we've all i think been in circumstances where okay it, it may not be that we hate what we're doing. It may not even be that we hate where we're doing it or who we're doing it for, but there's just this overwhelming perhaps sense of, I feel like I'm, I'm doing good work, but I don't feel like anybody cares. And at some point apathy can set in complacency can set in. And at some point human beings can stop caring the human beings that are actually providing some value. And that seemed to be the case here. He appeared later on a podcast some two weeks afterward, and my intuition, it was confirmed. He indeed did feel unappreciated. And so for him, when one side was done, it was time to turn life upside down because he knew he was done. Now, it could be argued, well, but oh man, look at what you left behind and there's this, there's that. And it, yes, but there's all other kinds of circumstances that aren't, there's no point in going into about his specific situation because each of us have our own, but you just get to a point, I guess, where you just, I've had enough. I've had enough of this. And it's not that this is bad. It's just that enough. It's just, it's done. It's it's complete. It's as complete as I would like it to get. And now I want something different. And you think of all the people who don't turn life upside down. One side is done and one side continues to cook and cook and cook and cook and possibly burn. And the other side never gets realized because they never do turn life upside down. There is something to the boldness and the courage that is required to turn a life upside down. And I'm not using this metaphor the way people typically think of a life being turned upside down by some disaster, some tragedy, some bad news, some victimization, some poor decision. I'm using it much more intentional than that. That one side represents the thing that we have been doing, the thing that may be working well, but not well enough. And the top side, the side that we haven't, we've not yet flipped it over onto the griddle. It's never begun to bake. We've, we've never even, it's never even had an opportunity to heat up because we haven't turned life upside down yet. And maybe we're scared to do that. It can be a scary thing to turn life upside down. I mean, complacency is a real thing and it, it, it has, it does have real value but it also can bring with it a tremendous burden and curse in that you never realize what you might could realize. Is it a chance? Of course it's a chance. So when this gentleman leaves this incredibly popular station in the fourth largest media market in the country, working for the number one radio station as a producer, he'd had enough. He'd had enough. He made comment in the podcast that it wasn't like he was making so much money that he couldn't quit. So while that can seem a negative thing, that can also be a blessing because he could have been making, he could have been making so much money 
even though he wasn't fulfilled and even though he didn't feel appreciated, he could have been making so much money that he couldn't have found the courage to turn his life upside down because he was money whipped. There are lots of people. I, well, I can tell you here in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, there's a lot of people who are money whipped. There's a lot of people who have jobs and careers and they're stuck. They're stuck and they are captive to the paycheck. They are captive to whatever the perks are. They are captive to their lifestyle. They are captive to their social network and deep, 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 deep down inside. They would love to blow it up and simplify and do things different. They just can't find the courage to do it because they've got all these other pressures working against it. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you can't. It's one of those, be careful what you wish for. So the person who's making pick a number 50 grand a year, 60 grand a year. And they think man alive. I mean, if I could make 150 K a year, the world would be my oyster, but maybe you're miserable doing what you're doing at 50. Now take what you're doing and amplify the pressure on that thing that you're doing, but now triple your pay. <laughs> to say that you're liable to be three times more miserable is probably not accurate. It's probably, it's probably exponentially higher than that, but Hey, you got the money. So be happy when you don't have it. You think it will fix what ails you. And when you have it, you learn pretty quickly. Yes, I know you learn pretty quickly. Well, now you're trapped. I mean, you, you talk about a prison and that's especially true. If you've, if it's not just you. If you've got a family to account for, if you've got some, if you've got other humans that are counting on you, yeah, well, the prison bars, they close in, they close in really quickly. They can. This is why this is all such an individual pursuit. This whole thing of figuring it out is an incredibly individual pursuit because the circumstances of our lives are all different. We are all different. The people in our lives are all different. What we want is different. So my son as a grade schooler can say, you know, he wants a jet and a Porsche. I can promise you that the 40, almost 42 year old man that he is today, the last thing he's thinking is having a Porsche or a black stallion or a jet. He, none of those things matter to him. Why? Well, because he no longer has the perspective of a grade schooler. He's now got the perspective of a mature guy who's running a business and who has a family. And as far as the baseball goes, well, he's got quite a lot of baseball in his life because he's helping coach two little boys who play baseball. So there's that things change. Things change. Has he changed? Oh, fundamentally, I think he is still the same. He's still the same little kid. Some of the things that we saw in him as a, as a kid as a, even as a baby, some of those personality things are very much still present, but no, he's not the same person. You kidding me? He's not a first grader anymore. He's not a second grader anymore. He's, he's different. He's, he's grown. He's matured. He's experienced some things. He has some insights. He's got knowledge. He's got some wisdom that he did not have when he wrote that little book. He was a kid 
and it's a book written in a kid's perspective and it's great. It's wonderful, but wouldn't we be worried about him if he wrote a book today as an almost 42 year old father of three. And if his book were titled someday and he wrote these exact same things, I mean, we would think, Whoa, Ooh, Ooh, there's something wrong with him. He, he is stunted. He is horrifically stunted but he wouldn't, he wouldn't write that book. That's not the book he would write today, decades later, nor would you newsflash. I could have written a book five years ago. And the book that I would have written five years ago is not the book that I am in the process of trying to write today. No, it's not a literal book, but a metaphor for our life. It's changed. It's changed. Now, there have been some circumstances in my life, just like there have yours, that have turned my life upside down, and it doesn't. it's not fun at the time when it's imposed on us, but that's what life does. What are you going to do? Well, you can resist it. You can go with it. I, I boil it down for me. I boil it down into two things. We can either overcome it, which means we can change it or we can endure it which means we can't change it we just have to ride it out i don't know of anything in between at my age i'm thinking of some people who are battling some health issues and the health issues for which there are no real answers okay what are you going to do well that's an endurance test is what that is you have to endure it. You have to cope. You have to make the most you can out of it. There are other things. Well, let's stay with health. There are other people and they have health situations that do have some degree of a remedy. That's great. Now you can concentrate to try to overcome it. Now, while you're overcoming, you have to endure. So this much is for sure. No matter whether we endure or overcome, we must endure because the answers don't always come quickly. How do you know when one side is done? Well, you just figure it out. You just, you use all of your senses. You use all of your wisdom. You use all of your knowledge. You use all of your intuition and your gut feel and the perspectives of other people. You, 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 Assemble as much information as you possibly can to figure out it feels like it's done. Is it done? Is it time to turn life upside down? Is it time for that to be a good decision? And after you figure it out, you have the courage to do it. The thing that you have to have through that entire process is endurance. You have got to continue to grind. You have got to continue to move forward. You have got to continue to see past the present towards some ideal of the future. Will that ideal happen? It might, it might not. There are some things. So my son, he wrote down that he wanted a wife and one boy and one girl. So he wants a son and a daughter. He got a daughter. She's the oldest. And then he got a son and then he got another son. So it could be argued. He got more than he bargained for. He got a bonus. He and his wife, they wanted three kids. 
they got three kids. Two of them happen to be boys. So fortunate, blessed. Yes, of course. And they would tell you so. And that's what happens to us. Sometimes as we endure things, as we grind things out and we, we hope and we pray for this outcome and it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen as quickly as we want. And sometimes it doesn't happen at all. And sometimes what we get, well, sometimes what we get is very disappointing. And other times what we get, it could be spot on. Then there are those moments. There's those unicorn moments, I suppose, where we get better. We get better than we bargained for. You ever look back, just think about this. This is a really worthwhile exercise. And if not now, then sometime later, just sit down and think about something that you desperately wanted to have happen. And it did not happen. And now you look back because now you've got some historical perspective on the thing. And as you look back, you are so thankful it didn't happen because if the thing that you most wanted to have happen, if it would have happened, things would not be as good for you today as they are anything like that leap to your mind. If it doesn't sit down some, someplace quiet, devote a few minutes to it. You'll think of something. And if you're like me, you might think of more than one thing. You might think of a few things where, yeah, the thing that I wanted turns out I dodged a bullet there. I didn't know I was dodging a bullet. It didn't feel like I was dodging a bullet. It felt like I was, Experiencing colossal disappointment. Turning life upside down is good when one side is done. We've got to figure out when one side is done. And that's only a decision that we can make. Other people can help us. We can rely on them. We can seek their advice and their perspective. But ultimately, we, we're the one, our hand is on that spatula our hand is the one that's going to have to flip this thing over and start cooking on the other side and it can be a really good thing it can be a really good thing one of the big big problems with growth and improvement is our need to hang on and not change because change involves a bit of struggle and some pain and a little bit of suffering and some work and in our head perhaps we're just thinking "Eh, it's just not worth it i just oh i don't want to do this don't let the dread stop you dread stops an awful lot of people from accomplishing an awful lot of things that otherwise they couldn't if they didn't push past the dread I'm a big OU Sooner football fan. You know this. They have got a strength and conditioning coach nicknamed Schmitty. Well, Schmitty is a drill sergeant. But the players love him. He pushes and he pushes and he pushes and he pushes. And there are players who are now in the league, that is the National Football League, who played and were conditioned by Schmitty when they were in college and they will attribute their work ethic and the things that they learned, even though they dreaded the workouts once done, once you endured it worth it 
completely worth it. I follow a number of Instagram and Twitter folks who are associated with OU football. And somebody posted just the other day, they posted a photograph of one of the players. I don't know who it was. And he was on a, on one of the couches in the locker room in the football facility passed out. And the text was something to the effect, you know, it was a, another cat, another Schmitty casualty. You know, I mean, here was a player that post-workout didn't even make it to the hot tub, didn't make it to the cool-down pool, just laid down on the sofa in the locker room and just crashed. Well, life is like that. And sometimes we need life to play the role of a Schmitty for us. We need life. We need life to work us out so that we can find a new us so that we can find this new level of performance that we didn't think was possible. I can promise you that there are players on that OU roster right now who did not think that they could do the very things that now they are doing with great regularity because they've got a human who cares enough about them to make them pursue being better. And being better comes with a price tag. And it's not cheap. It is not cheap. The question isn't whether it's cheap or not. The question is, is it worth it? And to a man, I can promise you, they will tell you it is. It's worth it. It will be worth it when they find themselves being able to play more competitively. It will be worth it as they exit college and some of them, a few of the very fortunate, talented ones will go on to the league and play professionally and they will have already learned some things and they will have had a few years experience learning and developing these habits that they won't have to just embrace as brand spanking new when they turn pro. That's a big thing. That's a really big thing to learn something early. How many lessons in your life would you now write a check for if you could have learned it earlier? Right? I mean, speed, time is a big deal. The faster we can learn some of this stuff, the faster that we can embrace turning life upside down when that's our intent because we know what we're after. We know what we want to say goodbye to. We know what we want to say hello to. And we just need to get on with it. Is it fun? Listen, is it fun to purge? Is it fun to go through all of the stuff that you've accumulated over decades of living? No, there's not anything fun about it. It is hard, arduous work. It is mentally taxing. It is emotionally sometimes a struggle. It is physically taxing, but it's worthwhile because simultaneously, there is a liberating factor to it all. I'm looking over where the majority of all these jewel cases were in these shelves, and now these shelves are largely empty. This fixture, my objective is to get this fixture empty sooner than later, and then I'm going to sell the fixture. Now, this is a fixture that is as tall as I am. It has four sides to it. It swivels. It rotates. And it will hold some 3,000 CDs in jewel boxes. 
Well, now that the jewel boxes are out of the way, I mean, I've in essence, I've in essence cut two thirds of the size out of the equation. So now I'm going to be able to box up or do whatever and keep these CDs and the little liner notes inside each jewel case, but gone are the jewel cases. And up next will be the books turning life upside down. It's good. It's what we intend to do. Well, part of this is going to be a bit of a relocation. What is that going to look like? Don't know. Got some ideas. No, I'm not going to tell you today. I might tell you someday. Uh, the yellow studio, yellow studio. I'm going to have to reinvent the yellow studio because the yellow studio is not going to be in the same physical location as this original yellow studio. In fact, I will tell you that the yellow studio 1.0 gave place to yellow studio 2.0, even though they were both in the exact same room. And yes, the walls are painted this French mustard yellow. Well, what will Yellow Studio 3.0 look like? I don't yet know. I can't even tell you where the Yellow Studio 3.0 will be, but Lord willing, there will be one. That's a big change. That's a big change. I, I could say, well, but, you know, I, I kind of love this one. I have. But this one's getting done. It's not quite yet done because I'm sitting here with a microphone recording and I'm sitting inside the yellow studio, but it's done. It's pretty much done and turning life upside down, including the yellow studio to find out what version 3.0 will look like and be like, there's something, there's something reasonably exciting about that. There's something that gets the synapses, you know, firing, that may not have been firing before. I know this. I know that 3.0 is not going to look like this one. I know 3.0 is not going to be, I'm not going to be surrounded by eight bookcases filled with books. I know that. I know I'm not going to be physically where I am. I'm not going to be in the same physical location as I am right now. Where am I? I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to be. And for all I know, the yellow studio 3.0 very well may be, not so much one single physical place, but it just might be wherever I choose to do this craft called podcasting. I don't know. I don't know, but in my head, it is still and will forever be the yellow studio. You can say, well, yeah, but how can it be the yellow studio? If it's not yellow, how can it be the yellow studio? If it's just, if it's wherever you are, well, because we can do whatever we want in our head. <laughs> That's why <laughs> it's a great thing. It's a great thing to be able to be able to project in the future and put yourself in circumstances and situations that you've never been in. Only humans have that capacity. Animals can't do that. You have the ability right now to think in your mind, what it would be like to fill in the blank. My son is a grade schooler was able to imagine owning a baseball shop. He was able to imagine owning a jet. He was able to imagine being six foot four. He was able to imagine all the things that he wrote about having a black stallion. None of those things came true, but he has lived long enough. And so have we, as his parents, 
someday is here. He's no longer a grade schooler, and it it's not a depressing thing to think, well, yeah, but okay, he wanted this and he wanted that. Oh, it's so bad. That didn't happen, and this didn't happen. He doesn't even want those things to happen now. He's got other things that he wants to have happen. But the point is, even as a grade schooler, he could imagine. I mean, how can a kid who has not yet driven a car imagine owning a Porsche? Well, you can because you're human, because you got a brain and you got imagination and you got creativity and you can imagine it. Is your imagination befitting reality? Maybe, maybe not. I couldn't tell you if the kid had ever sat in a Porsche when he wrote that. Maybe he had, maybe he hadn't. I don't know. And why a Porsche? I don't know that either. But in his imagination, he was thinking something. He was feeling something that he projected out into some, some magical future where he owned a Porsche. And I can promise you he had vivid thoughts because we all do. He had vivid thoughts of what that would be like. And he liked it. He liked it so much that it made the book. You have that capacity right now. You're not in elementary school, but you have the capacity right now to envision turning your life upside down for good because one side of your life is done. It is just done. And instead of being stuck and letting that side just continue to sizzle and burn you can turn your life upside down we use metaphors like you know turn over a new leaf grow improve get better fix what ails you don't just accept your life with resignation that this is how it is this is the hand i've been dealt nothing i can do about it that's not true that's not true intellectually you know that's not true Mentally and emotionally, you may not know it, but I would, I would venture to guess deep down intellectually, you know, it listen to your head, listen to your heart, turn your life upside down, turn your life upside down in all of the best ways, the things that have vexed you, that you are sick and tired of vexing you. Let's bury those things. Let's say goodbye to those things. Let's repent of those things. Let's make up our mind. We don't want to go back to those things again. We want to be done with those things. We want that. This side is done. It is over. And now we need to get on with it. Is it going to be comfortable? It is not going to be comfortable, but it will be worth it. you've lived in the same place for over 20 years there is you know there is the emotional part of it and i will tell you that we've mostly worked through that that hasn't been as difficult as you might imagine and so i'm not going to spend much time on that because it's it's pretty much a non-factor now it's just the reality of the work and there's 
little doubt that there's been an enormous amount of dread in the work, but at the same time, there's the excitement of what turning your life upside down, knowing that you're doing something very intentional and knowing that flipping, flipping the script, as they say, this is going to be a really good thing. And there's all kinds of anxiety and there's all kinds of fretfulness and worry that can accompany that. And you grind it out. You push through. There's something about you don't know what the future is. And I got news for you. Whether you whether you turn it upside down or you don't, you still don't know where the future is. So best I can figure, at least for myself, is to take a new aim. Aim at what you most want. Turn life upside down. Do it in the most positive way you can. And you do it when one side is done. And you get on with taking a aim. Full well knowing that your first shot, it might be a colossal miss. You might get close. And then you keep refining your aim. And you keep pursuing the ideal outcome. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. Join the private Facebook group. Click the Facebook icon over the website. My name is Randy Cantrell. I will do a show. I promise you I will do a show on saying goodbye to the Yellow Studio 2.0. This ain't it, but I'm getting close. Lord willing, greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio 2.0.